your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their, their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from his <coughs> flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Keep it straight, the path of your feet, and all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot safely from evil. Let us pray together. <coughs> Dearest Lord, as we love one another, we abide in you and you in us. Otherwise, we cannot bear fruit. Apart from you, we can do nothing. You have made a way for us. You have poured out your love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and we can remain in your love. We thank you that through you we will bear much fruit. Help us, Lord, to keep our focus on you, despite all the distractions of life. Guide us to walk with you by your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us and keep us safe from all danger and harm. Help us to start every day with a new attitude and plenty of gratitude. Let us make the best of each and every day. Clear our minds so that we can hear you. Brighten our minds that we can accept all things through you. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, so thank you. 
and your support of her and her family as they go through this difficult time with her illness. We'd like to lift praises to you for uh, the lights in our sanctuary, which are finally getting fixed, and we can see the light of your glory again. <laughs> so we're very happy about that, Lord. And also, um, we'd like to lift to you um, thanks for my dad's healing of his leg. Um, and then, Lord, we'd also like to, to lift some people in front of you to remember and to have you, have, have you keep them in your care. So for Candy, just because, because she's a good girl and she's had some rough times and, and we just want you to continue to be with Candy as she goes through the, the heartache of, of becoming a, a, a good adult. And that's always a difficult time. Um, we want to pray for Kathy and for Kay, who can't be with us in church, but I know they're always with us in spirit. <laughs> Lord, just uh, keep us motivated uh, <coughs> to keep them in our thoughts and prayers and to also call and send cards and, and keep in contact with them so that their spirits can remain high and that they know that not only that you love them, but that we love them too. And also, um, we want to thank you for caring for Bill, who I understand is now in a walking boot, and uh, he seems to be recovering from his broken ankle. Thank you, Lord, for being with him with Gloria as he goes through this difficult time. So hear our prayers, God of power, and through the ministry of your Son, free us from the grip of the tomb, that we may desire you as the fullness of life and proclaim your saving deeds to all the world. Amen. And now may we say together the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever.
and it's called Meditate on Good Things. God of wonders, who nurses us with the new life of your spirit, replace our fears that keep us from trusting you. Teach us how to sing the resurrection song and how to live in peace with one another through Jesus Christ, our risen brother. Okay, imagine the scene. Two weeks ago, you had a routine physical. And this morning, you're sitting at your kitchen table, drinking your morning coffee, and the doctor's office calls. And the receptionist says the doctor has your test results, and she'd like you to come in to review them. It has just happened again. Another landmine has dropped right into your life. You know it is there, and you keep carefully walking around it as you pace the kitchen floor, back and forth, so as not to step on it and make its contents explode into your life. You imagine all the scenarios, and there are many, <laughs> that that mind might contain. It must be cancer. Oh no, I'm going to die, you think. I'm going to have to have chemo and lose my hair. I won't get to see my grandkids grow up or my youngest daughter get married. I won't be able to do my job, so I'll lose my hair. <coughs> How will I ever pay for my treatments? But the truth is, you don't even know yet what the test results show. You might simply have a vitamin D deficiency, which, by the way, is something that happened to me. I thought I was going to die, and it turned out they just wanted to talk to me because my vitamin D was low. Or your cholesterol might be a little high. Maybe your doctor thinks your results are so good that you might be able to reduce some of the medications that you're currently taking. A landmine that you have been pacing around for the last half hour, maybe full of jello, for all you know. Yet you're letting your mind entertain thoughts of the worst case scenario and ratcheting your anxiety level up to the excruciating point. As my mom is very fond of saying to me, don't borrow trouble. Life has enough of its own. Imagine instead, if you will, your thoughts as being like the planes that circle the airport. They fly away, they take off, they land, but they don't make the decisions. You do, because you are the air traffic controller of your own personal airport, and you direct all those planes. You get to choose which thoughts get to take off, land, circle, or just fly around in your mind. You get to pick what you ponder. The author of Proverbs 4.23 advises, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. This is fantastically wise advice, because if we want to be happy tomorrow, we need to sow the seeds of happiness when? Today. 
seeds of misery today by assuming the worst, beating ourselves up or rehearsing our regrets will only guarantee that we will be miserable and anxious tomorrow. Remember what Paul writes in Philippians 4.8? We've read it every week so far. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So today, as we finish our series on Anxious for Nothing, we will consider how healing from anxiety requires us to exhibit healthy thinking. You see, the truth is that Satan likes to fill our minds with thoughts of fear and anxiety. Why wouldn't he, right? That's what he does. And as Jesus tells us clearly in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and destroy. Our spiritual battle takes place in mind. This is the reason Paul in uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5 urges us to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, even Paul understood the importance of getting a grip on your thoughts. Satan's strategy is always, underline always, to use lies. He uses lies about God, about us, about life, and about anything else that can hold us in bondage and fear. In John 8, 44, Jesus says, When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. Yet, we continue to fall victim to the father of lies because he constantly is working to separate us from who? From God. That's his goal. The Greek word that we translate as worry is merimnate in the New Testament, and it means a divided mind. Worry takes a meat cleaver, really, to our thoughts, energy, focus, chops up our attention and sends our awareness of reality in a dozen different directions. Proverbs 12.25 tells us that anxiety weighs down the heart. In Philippians 4.8, which I read a moment ago, the Greek word translated as think about is logizumai. Do you notice the root of logizumai? Sounds like our English word logic. That's right. It, it is the root. Clear-headed, logical thinking is a vital weapon against worry and anxiety. Hmm. Logical thinking is a vital weapon against worry and anxiety. That's worth saying to us. Ephesians 6.14 says, It is important for us to get up every morning and put on the belt of truth. It is important for us to get up every morning and strap that piece of spiritual armor around our waist every single day. Satan's worry-producing thoughts are just like termites in our ranch house walls, damaging us from the inside out. 
There are four important things, four, four important things that we can do to stand against this threat. First, we need to identify the enemy's thoughts as lies designed to rob us of God's peace and joy. Any particular thought has wormed its way, like an earworm, into your mind. You can uh, all but imagine, if you can't stop thinking about it, that it's causing you extensive worry and anxiety because it's probably one of Satan's planted evil thoughts. Second, get out of your mental, get out your mental lasso and take those thoughts captive. You can pretend, right? I know I wouldn't be a very good lassoer in real life, but I can pretend I can see the I've got it. It's got it by the horns. You can all be great lassoers in your mind. It's your imaginary lasso, after all. It's your mental ranch. Arrest those evil thoughts on the spot. Take them straight to the sheriff, Jesus. Number three. Ask Jesus to banish those thoughts and fill us up instead with his presence, peace, and hope. Now, your mind is your ranch. From here on out, we take charge of what we choose to think about. Sounds like an easy plan, right? But we probably will need to practice these four steps over and over before we become the master of the expansive ranch that is our mind. And we're able to expel all the evil thoughts that have set up camp up in there. That's okay. That's what Sheriff Jesus is hoping for. That's why he wears the badge, so to speak. Besides, he likes nothing better than to help us keep things real. We have to cling to Christ rather than to a list of mental virtues. In Philippians, Paul includes eight kinds of thoughts. They are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Very virtuous. However, most of us do not live our lives based on a list of virtues, even though they're good. Even Max Licato confesses, I have trouble remembering the eight virtues much less remembering to filter my thoughts through them. And I agree with this sentiment wholeheartedly. I can't remember my kids' names all the time. So, you know, I call them the dog. I don't know how many times. So, you know, how am I supposed to remember eight virtues? A simpler way to clean up our thinking, then, is to simply abide in Christ. You hear that word, abide, a lot. The Bible. We heard the following in our scripture lesson this morning in John 15:5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. We bear fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness. As we remain connected to the vine, who is Jesus Christ. We all grow more and more weary of unrest, and we want to be done with the sleepless nights and the restless days full of worry and anxiety. We long for the fruit of the Spirit, and
and to be once and for all truly anxious for nothing. But how do we bear this fruit? Max tells a silly story in his book that I'll share, and it is kind of silly. Farmer Jones sets trouble on the trellis. His great givers groan, leaves drooped, vines dragged. Listless loganberries sighed in chorus. The farmer listened for a time and decided to do what great growers have done since the beginning of the writing of this chapter. He talked to his crop. A boss to branch chap that was in order. He set a stool between the rows, pulled off his straw hat, took a seat, and invited, Okay, guys, why the moon? This is not the wine I had in mind. At first, no one spoke. Finally, a slender tendril opened up. I just can't do it anymore, he blurted. I squeeze and push, but the grapes won't come. Leaves bounced as other branches nodded in agreement. I can't even get a raisin to pop out, one confessed. Call me Cluster Baron, shouted another. Forgive me for being sappy, answered one more, but I'm one burdened branch. I'm so tired my bark is barking. Farmer Jones shook his head and sighed. No wonder you guys are unhappy. You're trying to do what you can't do and forgetting to do what you're made to do. Stop forcing the fruit. Your job is to hang on to the vine, to keep connected to the trunk. Get a grip. You'll be amazed by what you will produce. As Farmer Jones finally tells his hapless great plans, the secret to producing fruit is not in trying harder, but in hanging tighter. Our assignment as the branches is not faithfulness, but is not fruitfulness, excuse me, but faithfulness. Abiding Christ because is he not true? Honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise. He's got all those virtues, right? Just hang tight. God is the vine keeper. He lives and loves to coax the, coax the best out of all of his vines. He pampers, prunes, blesses, and cuts. His goal is in thinking, what can I do prompt produce. Jesus is the vine. The vine is the root and the trunk of the plant. The vine cables nutrients from the soil to the branches. It is Jesus who makes the stunning claim, I am the real root of life. If anything good comes into our lives, Jesus is the conduit. <coughs> and who are we in this little analogy? Well, we, of course, are the branches. We bear the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. We meditate on what is true and honorable and right and pure, and lovely and admirable, excellent and worthy of praise. But we bear this fruit not by trying harder, but by hanging tighter to the vine, who is our source. <coughs> this is the true secret. Fruit-bearing and anxiety-free living is less about doing and more about abiding.
invitation is, come, live in me. Make my home your home. God is near and he is with you. He promises that his supernatural peace will guard your heart and your mind. Your mind can be filled with God-glorifying, healthy thoughts. You are invited to do one thing, and that is live with Jesus as Jesus lives with you. What's holding you back from accepting this invitation? What thoughts are dividing your mind that you need to get busy and lasso up? Today, you can stop living with perpetual worry and anxiety. And you can lead a life in which you are anxious for nothing. It can be yours. So I leave you with a meditation written by Max Licato. And it sums up all we've talked about for the last five weeks. And I hope that you find these words as helpful as I have. Today, I will live today. Yesterday has passed. Tomorrow is not yet. I'm left with today. So today, I will live today. Relive yesterday? No. I will learn from it. I will seek mercy for it. I will take joy in it. But I won't live in it. The sun has set on yesterday. The sun has yet to rise on tomorrow. Worry about the future? To what gain? It, serves, it deserves a glance, nothing more. I can't change tomorrow until tomorrow. Today I live Thank you. 
together. So I'll leave you with some words for the week to carry out into the world with you. Now to, who, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever.